0: at this recording. The Apostle Paul said that he knew no man after the flesh and that he put no confidence in the flesh, but one of the joys I've had these many years going from one church to another (coughs) is meeting (coughs) fine young preachers. Nothing on earth that I treasure more than God raising up young men who are preaching now what their granddaddies used to preach and that's a step in the right direction. Some uh, liberal criticized Billy Graham and said that he took us backward 200 years and Billy answered and said he aimed to take us back to the New Testament and that was good at least. Now, I attempt to do something tonight that I criticize others for. Some years since, <clears throat> when we were at a low ebb, sure enough, spiritually in the United States, we had a rash of exes into the field of evangelism, ex-convicts and ex men and ex Pickpockets and ex movie stars and ex. You couldn't preach unless you was an ex. You know, I sometimes wondered what poor old Paul would do. He wasn't, he never had robbed the bank that got out on him or anything like that. And I didn't like that because I heard some of them and they seemed to glorify what big shots they used to be when they were in rebellion. And we don't like that. But in spite of that, I trust the Lord will be pleased as I seek, bring a word testimony tonight about how God did for me what he has to do for every human being. If he saves them, God has to cross and crush man's will at the point where his rebellion heads up and if god wins in that battle a man is saved and if the man wins the battle he'll have to go to hell for his trouble in the book of the psalms at chapter 14 and verse 1 we have our scripture psalms 14 just the first sentence of the first verse of Psalms 14. If you have your pencils. I hope you <clears throat> use them tonight on your Bible, especially if you have before you, as I have, the authorized, or what we call the King James version. There's people there who translated this version from the original manuscripts, have put in this sentence two words in italics. The school children can tell us older people if we do not know it already, that where you find in the Bible some words italicized, they do not occur in the oldest manuscripts we have. We do not have the original Pieces of paper upon which the Bible was written, we all understand that, but to go back way back younger. And in this sentence, they put in two words that make the rest of the Bible just silly. If, as I read now from the Authorized Version, if this is what the Bible actually teaches, then we just have to throw the whole thing out. Because if you'll just notice it once, the fool has said in his heart, he's got too much sense to say it in his head, but in his heart, that means the thing that makes him tick. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, if that is so, then we got no Bible. For if there's one thing that's dead certain, it is that there has never lived a human being the this good hour who did not believe that there was a God. And yet here, apparently, the Bible is saying, the fool, he's different. He said in his heart, there is no God. But the words there is are in italics. And since it is true, that God has done two or three things at least for every human being. One of them he's given them a God consciousness. Men know there is a supreme power. They just know it. They're just like I used to listen to Aunt Amos and Andy way back yonder when they were the rage of the radio 30-40 years ago and uh, and there was always talking about a woman's ignition. He meant her intuition. The most powerful argument any man ever went up against was when a woman answers for something she's done and says, just cause, just cause. You can't do a thing except bow to it. You just, just, just cause. A woman's intuition now a man's intuition he can't brag about it because it's given him of god is that he knows there is a supreme being now he may call himself an atheist but he don't believe it we read about atheistic communism don't you believe a word of it there ain't no such animal as a human being who actually believes there is no God. But if you read this verse without the italics and and translate it literally from the original language, it reads like this, the fool has said in his heart, no God for me. As far as I'm concerned, there shall be nobody ruling in my life. Nobody's gonna tell me what to do or what not to do. Now that makes sense, for that's the description of every human being that ever lived, apart from the triumphal grace and overpowering mercy of God. Men and women, boys and girls are sending up messages every time they take a breath to the supreme being and said as far as I'm concerned, (laughs) no God for me, I will not submit to your rule. That cry was first heard in the garden of Eden, when you and I and the loins of our father Abraham in such a way, I can't understand it that the scriptures say that Ralph Barnard had as much a part in it as did Adam, and that Brother Parks and Brother Whaley and Brother Barnard and Brother a whole lot of you folks out there, we rolled up our sleeves and spat on our hands and attempted to push. God off the throne and mounted ourselves, saying we will not be under the restriction of a power from on high. That's the same cry that could be heard by the angels and make them weep and the demons to make them tremble when they hung the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross and sent a messenger after him and told the god of hidden that they hadn't changed their minds they still were saying we will not have this man to reign over us that's the cry of rebellion that goes up from the mouths of every human being no god for me no God for me. I was born a rebel against authority. Men haven't got a thing on God's earth against God except his authority. If he'd resign as the moral governor of the universe, if he would change his character, and put on some side whiskers and be an old doting grandfather and wink at sin and turn the reins of the world over to me, he and I get along just fine. But since he will not do that, the carnal mind is hostile to him and it's not subject to the law of God, neither it can it be. We were born in a state of rebellion. The little child nestling in the mother's arms proves its rebellious nature by kicking against anything that smells like authority. The best way on God's earth to get your child out of the house, sweet it is, the best way on earth to see to it that your child does something, is to tell them not to. They'll bust hell and heaven wide open to do something if somebody in authority tells them not to, why? It's their nature, it's their nature. My mother used to tell me how he could tell the difference between when the child was hurt and when it's mad, when it just blowing up a storm, not a tear in its eye. It's just mad, it's just trying to get at God. And since it can't get at God, it'll claw at Papa or Mama or whoever lays the law down. Never. Was there a generation so reeking with the spirit of lawless rebellion against the authority of God as today we were born rebels? Now, ladies and gentlemen, according to the Bible, rebellion challenges the character of Almighty God and he has to do something about rebellion. And since I've looked in the back of the book and have got the answer, I don't have to tarry long over the problem. The Bible certainly is crystal clear that the rebellion in every human heart is gonna be crushed. God's gonna put down the rebellion. And almighty God going to win the war, and when the last battle has been fought on the throne will be the Lord God Omnipotent. There's no doubt about that. There's not a question on earth. No human being is ever going to win in this war. We differ a great deal as I go up and down the land about things relating to the return of our blessed Lord. But one thing we do know for certain, he's going to keep on doing exactly what he's doing now till the rebellion is put down and until this world is brought back under willing subjection to the rule of Almighty God. I believe if I had the time tonight, I can prove with the scripture that everybody that God sends to hell will say amen to his judgment before he's cast into hell. And I do know that this world is going to be brought under the subjective rule of my Lord. And when it's brought there, He's going to turn it back over to the Father, says the Bible, that God may be all in all. You know, I like to turn over in the back of the book and get answers like that. Sometimes in the flesh we get a little weary. I go from one meeting to another. And sometimes have good meetings, sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it rains, and sometimes it don't. And sometimes the heavens seem to be closed, and sometimes the showers come. And we just keep going. And sometimes you get a little weary, and you'd like to take out a while. And especially, I'd like to be home a while. And, and, and I can't take it. I'm too weak. The battle not going so good today. But tell you right now, God's gonna win the war and rebellion's gonna be crushed. Thanks be unto the Lord. Yes. Rebellion's gonna be crushed. It's gonna be crushed one way or another. God crushes the rebellion in the hearts and spirits of some by his wonderful, wooing, mercy, and grace, and brings men and women to wear gladly and willingly and sweetly they bow to the blessed world of the living Lord in their daily lives. Amen. Now a man didn't save because he believes that Jesus is Lord. The devils know that. man didn't save just because he says that he believes Jesus Christ has been appointed Lord of all. The devils know that. A man didn't save you better listen to Brother Barnum. Until he is able to worship that ascended Lord. To be saved just simply means to be changed from a rebel to a worshiper. We all have our beliefs and our doubts but that's nothing there's nothing to that. A man's a Christian if by the help of almighty God he's been able to sanctify Defy the Lord in His heart, and He knows what worship is. <clears throat> if God Almighty, using the means He's chosen to use, is unable to crush your rebellion by His wondrous goodness, His marvelous long suffering, His winsome rule he's unable to gain your consent to the lordship of the savior and you're glad bowing up to it and worshiping him well then the scriptures say he'll make you bow he'll make you bow one of the most hell. <coughs> Filling lies That has almost been the heart Of the popular gospel For these decades of time And men and women have been assured That they have a choice Of whether they'll receive Jesus Christ or not But they do not have a choice Amen. God never did give you or me or anybody else a choice whether we'd bow to the Lord Jesus Christ. I have to say something I can't understand it's just so and I can't explain it. Men and women do have something to say not about whether... They'll bow to my Lord, but when? Whether you're going to bow to him's done been settled, honey, you are. Every knee shall bow. That's not only the purpose of the gospel preaching, that's not only the purpose of the coming of Christ, but that is the set determination of Almighty God that the rebellion shall be crushed and that men shall surrender throw down their arms it's not a question of whether you're going to bow to christian you know it's it's a crushing load my brethren to share that truth in a world that don't believe it men and women actually think that they can dispose of jesus christ by keep saying no 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 and you and i if we're christians we know they're wrong and we wish we could get between them and a continuation of that awful course and and just wouldn't let them go another step and we could lock them in our arms and hold them there until while mercy's gate is still open and grace still flows from the throne of God. They could be brought to a sweet bowing now. Sometimes I wish I could take men and women and shake them until they had good sense. Sometimes the preacher especially wishes he could get in the flesh and use tricks and methods and gadgets, but they won't work. They won't work. How helpless a person feels as he tries to witness to a priest to may words for who all things been said, they must bow to King Jesus. And you wish they could be brought to the place they bow down and receive a pardon. But you can't do it. You just have to watch him grieve about it but one thing's dead certain you're going to bow the only way on earth that God can save a rebel is to bring him to throw down his arms and surrender and cease his rebellion if it were true that salvation becomes mine by believing some things, that'd be different. Hell, they're full of orthodox people, believe all the doctrines, leave the Bible from cover to cover in its letter. But salvation isn't at the end of believing some things. Salvation is for coming vitally join to Not in this I got saved 30 year ago business But in a living daily Walk With this living son of God Amen. The apostle Paul tells us in the book of Colossians As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. And it's foolish to talk about having received Him if you're not walking with Him. The only way God can crush the rebellion. In a man's life is to cross him to cross that man's rebellion at the point where it heads up you ever have a boy it comes to a head and it hurts And God Almighty has to invade and meet a man where the man's in rebellion against it and cross that man's will and crush it and conquer it. If he can't do that, he can't save a man. I said those words can't. I think from a biblical something god can't do he can't save a man anyway except by establishing his rule in your daily life and he can't establish his rule in a man's life till he crushes and rebellious will. There never been but one question that mounted the hill of beans: Who reigns in your life, you, or the Lord Jesus Christ? The devil must be cast out before the Lord's enthroned my lord said you can't in another man's house and set your mind that strong man you No know, way that god almighty can bring salvation it's a wonderful word it doesn't mean much now everybody's saved and sleeping on the road to hell but salvation in the bible Means to be made whole, and a man whole when he rejoices in being a slave to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All this stuff to call salvation, even our fundamental circles now that use Jesus Christ as a doormat to keep them out of hell, not interfere with the way we live, nothing to that. Right nothing to that oh thank God what many good men better than I am but this as all get out been preaching for 40 years ain't God ain't so I've heard it till it's blue in the face that God will not violate a man's will I'm sure glad that's not so yeah, sure I sure am glad he violated mine yeah. I sure am glad he conquered my old stubborn will yeah. ladies and gentlemen isn't it silly to talk about being saved unless the will of God is the supreme thing in your life isn't it silly to talk about salvation that leaves a man still in rebellion against the will of god my lord said not everyone that saith unto me lord lord shall enter into the kingdom of heaven but who he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You say that salvation by works, no sir, that comes from the lips of Christ. And any salvation that doesn't bring you to the same place that did a fellow by the name of Saul or Tarsus, where bowing prostrate you look up and say, What wilt thou have me to do? It's high time we begin to pay a little attention to the Bible. Yet all of my life, I've preached to professing Christians that think the other fellow ought to serve the Lord. Why, I've preached to a generation of church members now for 40 years, a majority of them, that think some people ought to be missionaries. I've preached to people ever since I've been preaching the claim to the Christians and think that the other fellow ought to give full-time service to the Lord. I've preached for 40 years to a generation of church people where we actually had services where people who claimed that the Christians would surrender to do the will of God. My God, if they say they've done, done that. Yeah. Why are the people coming out of me now? Well, I'm saved, but I'm not, I'm not doing the will of God. That's a joke. It just can't be true that you're saved. Unless your face is sad and you're hotly after the will of God for your life. That's what salvation is. Oh, that God would split the heavens in this generation when hell's going to be full of church members that had some sort of an experience. The will of God doesn't mean a thing on God's earth to them. They don't know anything about salvation either. And I'm not happy about it. I just scream out against it, and I'll meet you at the judgment and tell you this what's all about. Your will, trust. Your will crossed Your will conquered. And God will install that's salvation. That's salvation. In other words, if you go to hell, it's because your will is at the place God's will must be. Somebody's got to win that battle. The Bible has a scripture that I don't know whether know the meaning of it or not. talks about if you offend the law at one point, you're guilty of all. I think this is what it's getting at. I just think that I'm telling the truth now. I do not know whether a single one of you people is a saved person or not. I just have no way of knowing and so I'm not sitting in judgment or anything else. But it's always true that a man's rebellion against the authority of God, that's what it means to be a lost sinner. Always heads up in one thing. Holy Rebellion comes to a head like a bull Every time and the Holy Spirit presses the totalitarian claims of Christ upon that man, that thing, like old David, is ever before you. When you see men trembling under the wound of the Holy Ghost and get to hang on for dead life. It's not a matter of ignorance. It's a matter of a stronghold in their life. They're defending and not willing for it to be destroyed. Yeah. None of us is perfect and don't see any angel's wings. But I'm telling you right now when the man, a woman, boy, a girl, Signs a peace treaty with what that whatever it is about your life. That one thing. You sign a treaty of peace with that. And you're a dead duck. My will. Heads up. And there's one thing that will not yield. I've had men say, now, preacher, I don't want to go to hell. Well, who does? They said, preacher, I want to get saved sometime. But I'm not ready now. And they're telling the God's truth. There's something in their life. And they are not ready for it to be dethroned. And that's the reason they're going to split hell wide open, not because they're ignorant. That's it. That's it. I wonder where your rebellion is. Where's it headed up? Ladies and gentlemen, the least little thing. Can damn you to hell and keep you rejecting, rejecting, rejecting the claims of Christ until you drop him to hell. You don't have to be a big thing. It just has to be a thing that you've made an issue of. See if I can illustrate it. In New Orleans, a man said to the pastor, I ought to be saved, but I'll never walk that aisle. The pastor knew something about truth, and he said, You walk that aisle now, or you'll go to hell. You see, the man made an issue and told God one thing. He must keep his hands off. Yeah. He said, I want to be safe, i walk the aisle. Now, man don't have to walk the aisle to be safe. But for God's sake, don't ever tell God you won't. Because he'll bust you and he'll crush you at what you said you wouldn't do, and you'll do it, or you'll split hell wide right open over a little thing a woman over here in west virginia woke up to pastor at midnight and brought him over brought had had him he went seeing here they came woke me up about one o'clock in the morning made me mad he's a boohooing around she said I just can't sleep at night. And she said, oh, Lord, the awful shape of ever soul. And I want to get saved. But said, oh, uh, my, 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 my brother's pastor of another church. And uh, if I, if I, if I got saved and, and got back, i break my brother's heart. Said, I said, I'm just not going to do that. I said, please leave, sister. I'm afraid this house will burn up. You'll be pitched into hell and scared to death. She is telling God she wouldn't be baptized. Why? Well, brought up in a generation of folks, and now, honey, we're not talking about going the church. We're not talking about being baptized. We're just talking about being saved. Sash the and Somebody says, "I tell you what, I won't be saved. I won't to go to hell, but I ain't gonna be baptized. You'll be baptized, or you'll split hell wide open if you make that an issue with God." that's right fellow over in beckley west virginia owned a big coal mine that time and uh, he had us out for dinner one time and he telling me after dinner, he said you know preacher i've made five professions of faith and i walked beyond joined the church and been ducked to whatever you call it five times and he said i'm still lost and he said i want to be saved worse than a man you ever saw But I'll never walk another aisle and I'll never make another profession. And I got my hat and I said, goodbye. And he said, what's the matter? And I said, I'm scared to be around here. I said, I'm afraid God will kill you and send you to hell before I can get off your porch. You telling God what you won't do. And he did what he said he wouldn't do. You just can't tell God there's anything on earth He can't touch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's silly, but rebellion always heads up at one place, and it'll be crushed at that one place, and your rebellion will die over that issue, or you'll never be safe. You'll never be safe. And Mr. Finney's Day, the old squire, I guess he'd be the county judge or something now, the old squire of the village, he going out to your brother Finney, and he got on the deep conviction. And every night at miss Finney preach he'd tell about two miles down. He said, "There's a place of prayer, and anybody that's concerned about your soul, you go down there, and I'll meet you as soon as I can." And the old squire, he reasoned like this. He said, "Now, a fella don't have to go to that place to get saved." Well, that is right. Of course, he didn't have to. And then he said, "I'm going to be saved, but I'm not going to go to that place." Oh. You see, his rebellion is heading up over a little thing like that. You see, you see, what he said was so, but he made an issue out of it and told God what he wouldn't do. That's rebellion. That's your rebellious heart dictating to God instead of submitting to Him. And the old boy, he'd come here, Mister Finney, and he wouldn't go to the place of prayer and he got in an awful shape and he'd go home, get down on his knees in his bedroom, he'd just pray up the storm, nothing had happen. Nothing would happen, nothing would happen. They keep going here, Mr. Finn, and he go home, and he got in a terrible shape. And one day, it came a cloud burst of rain, and this old boy decided he'd show God how humble he was and how much he wanted to be saved. So he went from the meeting, and his big old mud hole right in front of the old Spire's house, and he got up on his knees right there in the middle of the mud hole and just prayed up a storm, nothing happened, and finally got up out of the mud hole and went where he said he wouldn't go and god met him god crosses a man's will at the place that will shows its rebellion against the all out authority of almighty god in your life and if he doesn't break you there He'll have to break you to judgment yeah. and send you to hell. But break you, he will. With me, my rebellion headed up over one thing. I think yours does too. <clears throat> my rebellion headed up over a call to preach. I was willing to do everything except the will of God for my life. I was reared in a godly home, When I was six years old, i quote 10 times more scripture than I can now, used to bring me up in these sword drills, you know what they are, memorizing, turning the scripture. Every time the doors of the church opened, Paul and Maw and us kids were there. When I was 10 years old, I made profession of faith and they baptized me. 11 years later, before I was saved, Everybody told me I was saved, and I supposed there was, until I got up about 15 years old, I went to college. And I found out I wasn't saved. How? I had no supernatural power in here. Yes. i got into college life even in a good baptist school there's plenty of hell going on there and i found you see people tell me it's hard to live a christian life but the bible tells me it's not hard to live a christian life it's utterly impossible for anybody to live a christian life And the Bible says that old Rothbard has got to have somebody living inside of it. Christ. All the devil had to do, just... I had no strength big enough to resist. You haven't either. Unless Christ lives in that. And as his usual case with a person that's been talked into a profession of faith and all that business to find out nothing's real. That's pretty hard. And then something began to happen to me. When I was 11 years old, missionary, called a missionary. I maintain any saved person, a missionary, he just happened to be a saved person was serving the Lord over somewhere, you know. But he came to town, he's sort of strange now coming because we was all a bunch of church members living like the devil, hoping to keep out of hell, not sure, and we ain't care about the will of God, didn't know nothing about it. You know what I'm talking about. And this, he saw a for fellow, fellow serving God, he sort to stick out in this day of so-called Christianity. And when he got through preaching, it wasn't scripture, but he did it anyhow, and he had to stand and sing, and he said, I wonder how many people are here tonight that would like to make a vow, say in the language of the old song, where you want me to go dear Lord I'll be what you want me to be and so forth well that sounded good to me brother and before I knew it by some power here I skidazzled and I told that fella I was I just as sincere as I could be I wasn't saved the fella had sense enough coming out of the rain he'd have sense enough to Take a proposition like that up, wouldn't it? I didn't know I wasn't saved. But that sounded good to me. If this is God's world, me like to hat this place on God's very it to be in God's world. That wherever God sent him, being whatever God wanted him to be. And you know, the tough thing about that is, if you ever give God anything, he never does give it back. And if you ever make a vow, you may forget it. But under God, he never does. And he held my feet to the fire. To make it still worse, I didn't know about it till after the Lord saved me. But before I was born, my daddy and mother did what the old timers used to do. They gave me to the Lord to be a preacher. They didn't tell me about it. They knew about it, and the Lord knew about it. They weren't trying to help the Lord work it out. I didn't know. But God did, and my mother and father did. And of course, Anybody that's ever been saved, there's something done about that four year boy. And if you're saved so that the will of God can be supreme in your life, then there's something done about that four year boy. And of course, the fellow's gonna be a preacher has to be called a preach before he's born. If He don't get the call before he is born. He'll never get it afterward. And I didn't know all that. But I began to go through hell on earth. I used to go hear the preachers about till I was about 16, 17. And I'm going to get up there and show them how bad I could taste. And I knew for five long years. And this may be strange doctrine that salvation for me meant to be a public preacher and I believe it meant for you to do whatever the will of God is for you for me that was it and I knew that surrender to King Jesus meant I'd have to be a preacher and that was one thing I was not gonna be. In my junior year in college, I received the promise of a scholarship in the world leading law university, enough to pay all of my bills, and I was approached by the head of the greatest civil law firm in Texas, that when I got out of law school, I'd come into that firm. And I loved the law and do to this day something fascinating about it. And I wasn't going to be a little old ragtail, one gallus preacher, I'll tell you that. And so I did what it seems like that most of the profession Christians have been able to do. I couldn't get the job done. I tried to get God to save me without throwing down my rebellion, but it just won't work. You just can't do it. You can call yourself Christian till you split hell wide open until this matter of your rebellion where it's heads up is Christ. There's no salvation. And for five find- years. I tried to get God to save me and every time the conversation come up, this thing that was ever before me, ever before me, ever before me. You know it sounds silly, but some people don't split hell right open because of a ten-cent sin. They make it an issue. And they say, I will not surrender. And I don't care how little it is. is, that's where your rebellion heads up. God don't crush you, you're gone. Yeah. I know what it is to pray and cry and see everything else. That's the reason I don't have a dime worth of confidence in all this stuff they've called getting religion today, that you switch the jaw tuning in one job to the other and make some sort of motion, cry a little bit and call it salvation. No! This will of God business stares in the man in the face. Are you willing for the will of God to be done in your life? That's salvation. And I what? Well, a man got to have some peace man got to have a peace. I never have a opposed drinking whiskey. If I was the average unsaved man and woman boy or girl today, I'd stay about three-fourths tanked up with booze all the time. At least you could sleep at night. Cause you, you know, <clears throat> you know if God don't send a revival in hour a day, <clears throat> This whole country is going to be one giant insane, sir. Amen. People's nerves are so raw now. Right. everybody got to take a pill to go to sleep and another to stay awake. It's a sight on God's earth. How near the ragged edge everybody is just exploding. Why? <coughs> Brother, the only thing that'll give you real peace and soothe your nerves, is a good dose of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Amen. And the next best thing to it is a bottle of booze. And I'd have one or the other, so help me God. Amen. I wouldn't live the way people live today, snarling and grasping and grunting and groaning, and can't sleep and can't do this and can't get along with each other. Why? Brother, a man's got to have something to relax him and calm his nerves. Ain't nothing like the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Sweet will of God, if you haven't got that, you're in a bad shape. Amen. 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 I ain't tryin' to clean up this world. I ain't tryin' to clean up the picture shows or the beard joints or all these things. Brother, if we're dead, this country go crazy they ain't got god they got nothing to give them peace nothing to give them rest nothing to relax their old bodies. haven't got the holy ghost so you take the booze and all this junk away from them to go crazy and idiots can't be saved i've seen some drunk saved but idiots can't be that may sound like false doctrine you can shoot it if you want to but ladies and gentlemen you better listen to me a man's got to have something to help him so he can sleep at night and do his work by the day only got to have something to take care of the children don't have the sweet peace of the will of god and the joy of the holy ghost god. you gotta have something I had to have something. So I called myself an infidel. Now, an infidel, it's spelled I-N-F-O-R-H-E-L-L, N N for hell. Of course, I knew there's a God, but I said he ain't going to tell me what to do, and so I decided there wasn't one, see. I knew better. And by day I preached, there is no God. And so help me God, by night I begged him to save me. That's the truth. For five years, I never went to bed at night. I'd get down on my knee and, and and talking to the one I'd been cussing during the dish, and say, "Oh Lord, if you won't kill me tonight, I'll surrender to you tomorrow." Of course, when the sun came up in the mar, I said, "Fully on that," you know. But a man got to have some kind of peace. Man got to have a refuge. Isn't that right? And so I got me one, and I went so far as to organize an infidels club, God help me. The Christian college. And every Friday night we'd meet. We didn't have a special speaker. No, I, somebody else was speaking. boy, we gave God fits, I ain't kidding you. Oh, you with Brother Ernest, I'd go home from that knee, from that college, and get down on my knees. And vow to God if he wouldn't take me that night. I'd surrender, I'd scare, oh my, I sure am glad that God does invade people's real. I'm glad almighty God kept after me, I'm glad he didn't cast me aside, I'm glad he didn't say, okay big boy, just do what you you, you can have for now, thank the unto God back of my salvation is a covenant making covenant keeping god and that's the only reason i'm saved no reason nobody else ever gets saved to help me, the growth i went through and graduated from that school went out to the panhandle of texas to teach school and going to work a year before i went to law school to pay a few of my debts and i got out there and of course i was a good baptist I was a good church member all that time. They never turned me out. They're like typical church now. Anybody on God, they're the they, they easiest things on earth to get in and impossible to get out. That's the church now, mostly. And I, as a church member, have you understand all the time, I was a member of a church in the block of the campus of that school where we, as president of the infidel, Club, they never... Never bothered me. No. And so I went out that teach school. In those days, you had to be a church member if you got a job teaching in the public schools. And so the first Sunday, I marched down the aisle and dined the church by letter, you know. And, of course, I didn't go back that night. Ain't I used to be a fool about this religion business. And, sure, I didn't go Wednesday night. And Wednesday night they had a business meeting and I bet John Brown didn't let me teach the men Bible class. That's right. Well, I had to take it, you know. There I was. But I suppose I they didn't know nothing about me and been, I could put on a good show, you know. And I knew more Bible, I'd learned it when I was a kid, than those men did, and we just had a storm. But if I didn't go through hell, I'll choose up and take sides. And, uh, and I taught that Bible class, and, and then the preacher I, And I went two, three Sundays, and didn't have no preaching. And I went home to my boarding house from Sunday school. And I never did know why, but I went in a room and locked it. I could have got out, but I didn't want anybody to come in and bother me. And I threw the Bible down the floor and buried my face in it. And I said, Lord, whether you save me or damn me, I'll preach from now on. If ever I've got saved, that's all salvation I got. When I was able to surrender to the claims of God in Christ for me. And I don't know whether I got saved or not, I hope so, I think so, brother. I ain't cocky about it, some people. Our old-time people had a hope, you know, and we, I don't know what we got. But I do know that ten million pounds lifted off of them And for the first time in years, I had peace. I don't know whether that's salvation or not, but what it was, it was awful good. And so I got out of that room, and I skedaddled over to the Sun School superintendent's house, and he is sound asleep, waiting for dinner to be ready. And some of his kids had the old-fashioned Vic Troller playing about 100 miles an hour, and he's asleep in a storm. And I went in with my wonderful news. And they turned that thing off. And woke the old superintendent up. And I said, Brother Mullins, I've come to tell you, God saved me. And I want to preach next Sunday. And that just ruined me. He said, it's about time. So <laughs> <laughs> And that, that just hurt me. I wanted them to just rejoice, you know. <laughs> the big shot I was, you know, but he didn't. And I said, well, I don't understand it. Well, he said things been going on. You didn't know, boy. He said, for you came here, we got a couple of letters from some woman named Barnard down in Abilene, Texas. One I was written to the superintendent of the Sunday School, the First Baptist Church, and the other to the pastor. She didn't know the name. They were identical letters, and we got them. And that old lady down there, Abilene said, My boy's coming to teach in your public schools, and he's called to preach, and he's going through hell, and I want you to build a fire under him. I don't think he hold longer. He showed me the letter. That's what my mama said. And the old superintendent said we got with the deacons and the pastor and we framed up on it. We no know it wasn't exactly corn the hole, but we took a chance and we decided we'd build a fire there. And said we elected you to teach some in Bible class. And said we've been meeting once a week and begging God to pour cool oil on the fire and Flush you out. Flush you out. Oh, beloved, as God is my judge, your rebellion's got to go. Your rebellion's got to go. Let's have no more of this, claiming to be friends of blood Jesus, when we got a shotgun pointed at his very heart, saying, I will not have you to rule over me. And I go up and down the land. And I believe I tell people the truth when I say this. Don't wait.